David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin Ant, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It is November the 1st, 2018. It's episode 26 of Bitcoin and... And apparently, according to uh, word on the street, this is the beginning of hashtag no nut November. Um, If you're seeing that hashtag across any of your various uh, social media feeds, um, well, you go look into it. I already did. (laughs) And I'm not going to repeat it here. So happy no nut November. Uh, You guys that are into that, Man, more power to you. Okay, so uh, this uh, episode of Bitcoin And is brought to you by coffee. Again, by coffee. Uh, vitals, let's get into it. Um, Bitcoin is just, ah, it's just flat as a board, man. It's just not moving. And that, I don't know, that may have something to do with the fact that we got some news, what, which I'll get into later, about... Uh, uh, the uh, e- upcoming ETF. Apparently, some positive comments were made by a gentleman from that thing. And again, I'll talk about more about it uh, more about it later. But that may be a reason. But it's just, I mean, the price just isn't moving, man. I mean, it's just today is just uh, flatlining. So BTC is at an average of six thousand three hundred fifty. With the high being uh, hit BTC, that's listing it at 6,365. The low appears to be GDAX at 6,304. So it is a tight, tight, tight ass spread. Um, Transactions over the last 24 hours is 285,000. Average per hour is 11,900. Sent over the last two hours is 835,000 BTC. Average per hour cent of BTC is 34,800. The average transaction value is lower, 2.29 BTC. Median transaction value is a little lower at 0.031 BTC or about $200. Block time is really low, really low. Eight minutes and 19 seconds. I have, I have very, very rarely ever seen the block time, and that is the time a block will be produced and then the way difficulty and hash rate works together is that about 10 minutes will go forward before another block is produced so when uh it's eight minutes it should be 10 minutes that's the way that the software is set up Uh, or not software but well the software the algorithm uh which is embedded in the software um but at eight minutes and 19 seconds that's that's quick that is a quick block production time i've i've very rarely ever see it this low. So it's produced 173 blocks over the last 24 hours at an average of seven blocks per hour. Um, reward per block, or well, let's just say the fees per block is 0.96 uh, 
uh, reward over the last 24 hours. 2,163 Bitcoins have been produced and 16 Bitcoins have been taken in fees. The hash rate went up to 60 exahashes per second. That's an 11.34% gain in 24 hours. Wow. Um, GitHub last commit was yesterday. <laughs> and across the board, Ethereum is still down below 200. It's 197. Bcash is 424. Litecoin is 49.87. Well, $49.87. Ethereum Classic is $9. Bitcoin Gold is 26 0.53 and Dogecoin is 0.0038. Um, Dogecoin. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is really interesting. Bitcoin or uh, Bcash over the last 24 hours is, is showing, at least on my screen, at 394,500 transactions over the last 24 hours. Something's up, folks. That's not organic. <clears throat> um, transactions per hour, uh, transaction average per hour on Bcash is going to be 16,000 as compared to 12,000 on actual Bitcoin. Yeah, something's up something that number is either is either wrong and i'm getting uh bad data from my data source or um something's up i don't know coincides with the tweet from roger ver or um yeah a tweet from roger ver that we will get into for uh a little bit later but again <coughs> uh, github last commit for bcash is over now standing at over a month ago uh, even even Ethereum has updated, uh, has made a commit yesterday, uh, October thirty first, twenty eighteen. I yeah, something's up. Get ready for it, people. Get ready for it. Let's move on to the uh, morning roundup. Morning Roundup is brought to you by Cash. Dirty, stinky cash. First up is that a gentleman by the name of Gabor Gerbax, which is the uh, Vanek Digital Asset Strategies Director, is talking to Fox Business. Um, apparently, I, I think this was like yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, they, he, him and some other people from Vanek have had a face-to-face meeting with the SEC. And this is regarding the SolidX Bitcoin ETF. It appears that the SEC may be getting close to making a decision on whether or not they're going to allow the Vanek SolidX ETF to go through. Um, I... I don't have, I'm reserving excitement and or dismay and or meh until all this shit is figured out because really conjecture doesn't do anybody any good. But what the gentleman is saying is that he, Van Eck is as close as anyone has been to getting a Bitcoin ETF approved. And one of the things is, is that they've seemed to have, they're saying that they're satisfying the SEC's problems with 
um, an ETF not being physically backed, not being insured, that type of thing. Well, apparently he's saying that Solid X is physically backed, which means they're going to they're going to have to actually buy the underlying asset. Uh, they're going to have to buy Bitcoin to secure the ETF and the people that are investing their money to get uh, exposure to Bitcoin without actually owning their own Bitcoin. But an ETF has to hold uh, the underlying asset uh, in case things go tits up. And it also has to be insured, which apparently the VanEck Solid X ETF proposal is, or will, will be insured. The entry price is interesting. 25 Bitcoin. So if you want to take part, if you want to get exposure to Bitcoin, then you better pony up 25 times $6,300 as of, as of the price right now to be able to get exposure. That's your entry price. So regular retail uh, investors, uh, that this is not for retail investors. This is not for you know, the solid Joe on the street walking around, you know, who wants to get some Bitcoin for those of us that want, you know, that want to do that, just go buy Bitcoin, not investment advice. Uh, moving on is, <coughs> oh, good news. So Swift at SwiftCoin tweets out good news. Bitcoin cash classic with the ticker BCC will be initial launched on our platform. BCC fulfills the original promise of Bitcoin as peer-to-peer electronic cash, fast, (laughs) infinite block size, (laughs) and zero fees. (laughs) Now, this is a shit coin I can get behind. Oh, Lord have mercy. Um, Yeah, let's just... (laughs) Let's just move on. So there's, okay, well, there's a new player. There's apparently going to be a new player on the block. Um, I doubt it's going to do anything. It is just uh, Satoshi's original vision, whatever. Okay, so um, let's, hold on. Uh, There's a couple more things I want to get into before I do something else. Uh, Bithum. Series one to launch security token exchange in the United States. All right, so this is interesting. South Korean crypto exchange Bithum has teamed up with crowdfunding platform Series One to launch a compliant security exchange or security token exchange in the U.S. And this is written by Yogita Katri. Uh, The joint venture was revealed in a press release from Series 1 shared with Coindesk on Thursday, which adds that the exchange launch is still subject to regulatory approvals from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, or FINRA. Um, Yeah, so this is odd. Apparently, Series 1 already does offer um, an SEC regulated platform that supports projects launching initial token offerings. So l- looks like these guys, I have never even heard of series one, but apparently they are, you know, they are already regulated by the SEC. So it makes sense that Bithum would, um, leverage that in, in teaming up with series one to launch, uh, a, to- a security token exchange in the U S so we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, I'm not interested at you know at all, but I know some other people are. So 
uh, there you have it. BitHum is going to hang out with a, a crowdfunding platform. So next up in the stack, Jameson Lop at LOPP says, tried to sync Parity Tech's Bitcoin implementation, got to block 481824 SegWit activation. Okay, so he's saying that, that that's, that's the SegWit activation block. After 21 hours and 7 minutes, block 481824 verification failed with error. Witness invalid nonce size. Looks like Parity has a SegWit consensus bug marking sync time as infinity. And he comes back and says, makes sense. Zero Parity Tech Bitcoin nodes are running. And then uh, PBTC, uh, uh, the implementation. If anyone had actually tried to run a node, they presumably would have found and reported this bug. If there's a consensus bug in a node, but nobody runs it, is it actually there? So this, uh, you know, Parity's problems just go on and on and on. The Parity hack, Parity, you know, I mean, every time I hear about Parity, it's just, it's kind of a, a, a train wreck. And this is part of an ongoing thread that Jameson's kind of, you know, seems to be putting together where he's, he started out with where he's trying to do full validation of parity tech 2.1.3 and how long it takes and that it's, um, you know, like a 20, 22 terabytes of read and 20 terabytes. Anyway, it goes on and on and on and on like that. So parity tech is apparently, um, um, one of the implementations is not being run at all. And if it was being run, it's got a pretty bad bug in it insofar as it will fail syncing the blockchain right when it hits the uh, SegWit activation block. So there you go. <coughs> uh, last up on the block is that the, or actually last up on the block is from the block <coughs> at the block. And it is a, um, it is a story Links to a story one point th- written by Frank Shaparo, and I'll read a little bit of it. One point five billion dollars. Grayscale reports record inflows as institutions pour money into the crypto fund manager. Um, Grayscale, the digital asset manager, saw year-to-date inflows hit three hundred and thirty million, according to its uh, quarter three investment report. So, even though. Uh, the general crypto markets are down 70% year to date. Uh, institutional investors have contributed to 70% of the inflows from Q3. Um, institutional investors year to date made up only 59%. So the looks like the institutional investors are dumping money into the into this thing. How that's not affecting prices, kind of you know at least supporting them on the on the upswing i don't really know unless i guess they're fighting with whales who are uh, bear whales which are just like uh selling all their bitcoin and and other cryptocurrencies i don't know but i mean it is what it is so you know i know a lot of people uh, kind of have a problem with grayscale i don't i mean the people are going to do this whether you like it or not people are 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 going to start these funds. They are going to, you know, uh, invite institutional investors to come in. 
And we, again, we will just have to see where it goes. But um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of think it's good news because even in a massive bear market, you've got a bunch of institutional guys that are throwing $1.3 billion at that that stuff. Um, That's not, that's not, not at all terrible. So um, we're going to move on to the next segment and I'll see you on the other side. going to try adding a, a new little segment, um, Bitcoin history. Um, a lot of us don't know our Bitcoin history. And I ran across a tweet today from Adam Back, who is retweeting Mark Friedenbach, who says simply Bitcoin lizards. So Adam Back's retweet, uh, reply, or retweet says, now that's an old inside reference, hashtag Bitcoin hyphen lizards. So a quick Google search brings up um, this article from Bitcoinist.com. Lizard Squad made 11,000 Bitcoin DDoS. <clears throat> so yeah, Lizard Squad made 11,000. But here, here's what's so funny about that is like I, I was reading the, uh, the uh, hyperlink and I shouldn't have done that. The actual, uh, the actual, uh, Hot headline says Lizard Squad made eleven thousand dollars in BTC from from dosing, so a, like a denial of service um, thing. So here we go. Uh, this is from Guiherm Fernandez, January twenty third, twenty fifteen. Quite a while ago, Lizard Squad is the infamous team of black hat hackers who are best known for dosing. Microsoft's Xbox Live and Sony's PlayStation Network, the wildly popular gaming platforms, were down on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. God damn, I remember that. Uh, Leaving many gamers unable to enjoy their new consoles. Assholes. God, bunch of dicks, man. Anyway, okay, so the group of self-described cyber terrorists were involved in numerous other illegal acts, including calling in a fake bomb threat on the Sandy Hook Elementary School, the school took this threat especially seriously since it was victim to mass shooting in December of 2012. Uh, the group's newest venture has been dosing denial of service for hire. Uh, according to Lizard Squad, the, their attack on PlayStation Network and Xbox Lives were marketing stunts for their new service. For the right price, they will turn their group of hacked routers on the target of your choice, called the Lizard Stressor. The illegal service was opened on December 30th, 2014, and only accepted Bitcoin for payment. So there you go. If you're uh, going to be accused of being a Bitcoin lizard, essentially you're being <laughs> you're being accused of uh, being one of these guys. So there you go. That's that's a little bit of Bitcoin history. Bitcoin history was brought to you today by Coffee. time for Marty's Bent. So, uh, Marty's Bent for Wednesday, October 31st, 2018, issue number 351, a retrospective. He's got a picture of himself in high school uh, (laughs) dressed up as Lieutenant Dangle. Be careful with your eyes, folks. You may not want to see this. Uh, So he, he begins... 
What a decade it has been, freaks. Yep, that's me up there looking like a goofball. So young, so naive. This is where I was the day Satoshi introduced Bitcoin to the world. A hungover senior in high school coming off a 36-hour celebration of the Phillies' 2008 World Series victory dressed as Lieutenant Dangle. It's crazy to think that 10 years have passed since this picture was taken. But as I sit here and chuckle, plus cringe, at how much of an idiot I was back then, I can't help but notice how drastically the world around me has changed and how utterly unaware I or most anyone else was of Bitcoin. <coughs> 17-year-old Marty didn't have a clue about the path he was about to embark on that would inevitably intersect with this magic internet money that has caught the eyes of an untold number of freaks around the world. As everyone and their mother publishes homage pieces that describe how Bitcoin has changed over the last decade, I'm going to briefly reflect on what I've seen happen over the past decade and how Bitcoin has tied into everything in my view. A little less than a year after the picture, the above picture was taken, I was thrust out of the comfort of my parents' home and into a new city. The world was in a daze after taking a devastating blow in the form of a global financial crisis. Barack Obama had just entered office. Dwayne Wade was the leading scorer in the NBA. And Twitter was a niche app for the tech nerds in San Francisco. Much of the human race was in a deep state of reactionary thinking, looking for heroes to save them from the harm caused by the crisis. People were angry and awakening to the fact that they may be getting the raw end of, raw end of a long con that made our economy and financial system inherently fragile. I, too, was angry. Angry and curious. How the hell did things get this bad? I went into college with a know-your-enemy mentality, dead set on learning as much as I could about our economy and the financial system focused on exploiting every nook and cranny of the, of the economy. This eventually led me to study economics while interning at an investment firm to learn more about markets and the global economy. As I was doing this, the world was becoming more chaotic by the hour as the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan continued to drag on. Fears of terrorism began to become more and more prevalent, and waves of populism and nationalistic fervor began to slowly simmer with the emergence of things like the Tea Party and anarchist separatist groups throughout parts of Southern Europe. As we pushed further into the middle of the 2010s, people's sense of hope and change have been drastically diminished as the changes they wanted to see being made were nowhere in sight. We had been duped. We were getting more of the same gridlock, slimy backdoor deals, and failure to hold those responsible for destabilizing our world accountable. This has culminated in a hyper-polarized environment, which has allowed Donald Trump to become our president. Mr. Trump is a symptom of this feeling of disdain from the little guy, the blue-collar worker who suffered the most after the financial crisis. All the while, the technology that surrounds us has advanced at a breakneck, break, breakneck pace, giving us the tools to communicate in ways that were only imaginable in science fiction just a couple of decades ago. These technologies have given the average human an immeasurable amount of leverage in a world that was previously controlled by a few gatekeepers. <clears throat> this has enabled the rapid dissemination of new ideas and ways of organizing, which is compounding the effects of the economic crisis. People are more incentivized than ever to disrupt a failing system that no longer serves them and have never had a better set of tools to do so, Bitcoin being one of them. Our world continues on a path of financial complexity and social disorder 
<clears throat> Bitcoin continues to fortify and establish itself as a tool for people to store their wealth without fear of easy confiscation or censorship. This tool has gone from a fringe pet project to a $110 billion force to be reckoned with. The project is maturing at a time when the U.S. dollar status as reserve currency of the world is in the very early stages of being tested by other world superpowers like China and Russia. As they attempt to overthrow the dollar, it will be interesting to see how many people reject the notion of falling under a new monetary regime run by greedy humans who think they, who think they can micromanage life and turn to the, and turn to the apolitical sovereign currency that is Bitcoin. How many people will vote with their hard-earned money to exit this oppressive system by buying or working for BTC? As the idea of Bitcoin in the public psyche turns 10 today, it is crazy to think of how far it has come, what has happened in parallel to its rel relative maturation, and how far it still has to go on its way to providing a rock-solid tool for the individual to protect their own interest in a world that seems to get more and more divisive and authoritarian by the day, Onward into decade number two. Final thought. Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears should be more popular than they are. Eh. Probably. I clicked on that link, Marty. They're not bad. I like the Decemberist for that type of thing, though. And um, a couple of other bands, if you haven't checked uh, those guys out. Uh, Decemberists are really good for this for this type of uh, this type of music. Anyway, that's going to do it for Marty's Bent, and we want to thank Marty's Marty Bent for Marty's Bent, and you can find Marty Bent over at Marty Bent on Twitter. Be sure to follow him, and be sure to check out at TFTC21. Pretty much one of my top two or three favorite podcasts of like all time. Uh, high quality stuff. And yesterday's show was with Jack Mallers of uh, Lightning Zap Wallet fame. If you haven't listened to it yet, I would because they talk more. They talk about a lot more than just the Zap Wallet. Excellent interview. Go check it out, and uh, we'll do Marty's Bent when Marty's Bent is now a new Marty's Bent. Bitcoin 101 is brought to you today by Jamie Dimon, who apparently doesn't give a shit about Bitcoin. So continuing on with uh, this Coindesk article, um, this section follows up the last section um, and is named, How Can I Buy Bitcoin? So starting, <clears throat> this is uh, last updated January 26th of 2018 and starts out, so you've learned the basics about Bitcoin. You're excited about the potential and now you want to buy some, but how? Bitcoin can be bought on exchanges or directly from other people via marketplaces. You can pay for them in a variety of ways ranging from hard cash to credit and debit cards to wire transfers or even with other cryptocurrencies depending on who you are buying them from and where you live. <coughs> One, set up a wallet. The first step is to set up a wallet to store your Bitcoin. You will need one, whether whatever you prefer, whatever your preferred method of purchase. This could be an online wallet, either part of an exchange platform or via an independent provider, a desktop wallet, a mobile wallet, or an offline one, such as a hardware device or paper wallet. 
Even within these categories of wallets, there is a wide variety of services to choose from. So do some research before deciding on which version best suits your needs. You can find more information on some of the wallets out there as well as tips on how to use them here and here, and those are uh, links given. The most important part of any wallet is keeping your keys, a string of characters, and or passwords safe. If you lose them, you lose access to the Bitcoin stored there. Let's say that again, people. The most important part of any wallet is keeping your keys, a string of characters, and or passwords safe. If you lose them, you lose access to the Bitcoin stored there. Remember, this is me talking. If it's not your keys, they're not your Bitcoins. So if you forget your keys, your Bitcoins are lost. If you give your keys to somebody else, those Bitcoins are gone because somebody's going to steal them. So let's go on to number two. Buying online. Uh, two, open an account at an exchange. <laughs> Cryptocurrency exchanges will buy and sell Bitcoin on your behalf. There are hundreds currently operating with varying degrees of liquidity and security, and new ones continue to emerge while others end up closing down. As with wallets, it is advisable to do some research before choosing. You may be lucky enough to have several reputable exchanges to choose from, or your access may be limited to one or two, depending on your geographical area. The largest Bitcoin exchange in the world at the moment in terms of U.S. Uh, US dollar volume is Bitfinex although it is mainly aimed at spot traders. <clears throat> Other high-volume exchanges are Coinbase, Bitstamp, and Poloniex. But for small amounts, most reputable exchanges should work well. Note, at time of writing, the surge of interest in Bitcoin trading is placing strain on most retail buy and sell operations, so a degree of patience and caution is recommended. With the clampdown on Know Your Client, and anti-money laundering regulation, many exchanges now require verified identification for account setup. This will usually include a photo of your official ID and sometimes also a proof of address. Most exchanges accept pay payment via bank transfer or credit card, and some are willing to work with PayPal transfers. And most exchanges charge fees, which generally include the fees for using the Bitcoin network. Each exchange has a different procedure for both setup and transaction, and you should give <clears throat> and you and should give you sufficient detail to be able to execute the purchase. If not, consider changing the service provider. Once the exchange has received payment, it will purchase the corresponding amount of Bitcoin on your behalf and deposit them in an automatically generated wallet on the exchange. You can take this can take minutes or sometimes hours hours due to network bottlenecks. If you wish, parentheses recommended you can then move the funds to your off exchange wallet aside this is me talking do not leave your money on exchanges don't do it that's the situation of not your keys and remember if they're not your keys they're not your bitcoin okay moving on buying with cash Two, choose a purchase method Platforms such as local Bitcoins will help you find individuals near you who are willing to exchange Bitcoin for cash. Also, Liberty X lists retail outlets across the United States at which you can exchange cash for Bitcoin. And Wall of Coins, Paxful, and BitQuick will direct you to a bank branch near you that will allow you to make a cash deposit and receive Bitcoin <clears throat> a few hours later. ATMs are machines that will send Bitcoin to your wallet in exchange for cash. They operate in a similar way to bank ATMs. You feed in the bills, 
<coughs> hold your wallet's QR code up to this to a screen, and the corresponding amount of Bitcoin are beamed to your account. Uh, Coin ATM radar can help you find a Bitcoin ATM near you. All right, so uh, be aware this is a this one's a little old. Not sure about Liberty X, and I haven't heard from Wall of Coins uh, in a while or Bitquick. So you know things change, and this thing was only updated you know in December of of two thousand you know two thousand what was it December or. January of 2018. So it's in terms of Bitcoin, this thing is kind of ancient history. So, you know, be aware, but that's going to do it for Bitcoin 101. And we'll get back to the rest of that article tomorrow. (music) Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by Craig S. Wright. That's right. Craig Wright. Last week's Clairvoyance Associated meeting was canceled for unpredictable reasons. I like it. It was all one sentence too, right? It was a joke in one in one particular, you know, one full sentence. I like that. It shows class. Okay, the Daily Train Wreck today is brought to you by Roger K. Ver, who says, BTC supporters are too incompetent to even keep the blocks full like they want. Hashtag fail. Okay, so why is this a train wreck? All right, well, he's responding to Samson Mao at E-X-C-E-L-L-I-O-N on Twitter. Samson's let's 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 go let's go back a little bit um Samson Mao is responding right or Roger K. Ver is responding to Samson who's responding to to Roger K. Ver's tweet uh on October the 31st the birthday of Bitcoin or at least the white paper uh Roger Ver says High fees and full blocks disenfranchise those who need Bitcoin most. BCH is peer-to-peer electronic cash for the world. BTC isn't. Okay, keep that in mind. Roger Ver says high fees and full blocks, full blocks disenfranchise those who need Bitcoin most. So Samson just simply responds... Roger or at Roger K. Ver. Fees are in the range of nine to 13 cents as I write this. Transactions over the Lightning Network are free. Blocks are not even at one third capacity. On the 10th anniversary of the Bitcoin white paper, you could at least try to be somewhat honest. And that's where Roger Ver says BTC supporters are too incompetent to even keep the blocks full. Well, gee, Roger. I thought full blocks disenfranchised people. Which is it, Raj? Is it full blocks or is it empty blocks that are bad? Could you please make up your mind? Because even Whale Panda here, at Whale Panda, is responding to this whole mess and says, Bitcoin's blocks are full. Hashtag fail. Bitcoin's blocks aren't full. Hashtag fail. Is this what desperation looks like? 
trying to keep focus away from BCH drama. That's correct, because Roger can't even keep his story straight. Daily train wrecked, and uh, uh, God, that's a bad train wreck. Well, that's gonna do it for me, guys. I'm out. Um, I'll try to get this thing edited and up as fast as humanly possible. Please follow me at B-E-N-N-D-7-7 on Twitter. You can find Bitcoin and on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. I think it's actually hit has hit Podbay at this point and a couple of other places. I haven't been able to check, but uh, Bitcoin and should be on every, you know, like the most of the major um, uh, podcasting platforms that there is. Um, so please, please go subscribe, please rank it or rate it, and please leave me uh, criticism. What I'm doing wrong, how I can make it better, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. I want this show to be something that you guys can listen to, you know, early in the day so that you can wrap your head around what's, you know, what's, what's, uh, you know, what's coming up next, right? So um, with that, Please, again, please follow me on Twitter, go to iTunes or Google Play, find Bitcoin and subscribe, like, share, um, tell your friends about it, um, give me some ratings. It would be really awesome to see a rating come across. Um, other than that, we will see you later and uh, <laughs> happy No Nut November. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.